In this episode of Connect and Move Radio, I speak to Mike Stella, athletic trainer out of Long Island, New York, um, inside of AMP, which is Athletic Movement Protocol, and inside his little uh, practice called Recovery Lab. So it's within uh, the strength and conditioning studio, uh, or facility, sorry. We talk about everything from what an athletic trainer is, um, how he went from the tra traditional setting all the way into his own private, um, basically, practice, um, what it entails, the communication between a strength coach and athletic trainer, um, the value an athletic trainer can provide. We just went all in in this. Um, I've mentioned it before, but it would really mean the world to me if you guys take a second of your time and uh, drop down and review uh, scroll down to the bottom of this Apple podcast or favorite um, this podcast on Anchor or whatever platform you're listening to this on. Um, just take a second, review, let me know what you guys like about the podcast um, and your thoughts on the podcast. Um, it really helps improve this podcast for you guys and give you guys the most value that I can. And at the same time, it helps us reach much more people. Uh, that need this information and would love to hear this uh, information and would like to be a part of the community just like you. Thank you guys again and I hope you enjoy this episode. Hey, what's up guys? You are now back on Connect and Move Radio. I'm your host, Andy Fortuna. And today we have one of my good buds, athletic trainer um, over in New York, Mike Stella out of AMP. Um, Mike, how are you? I'm doing great, Andy. How you doing today? I'm doing good, man. I appreciate you jumping on this. Uh, oh, please, anytime, anytime, anytime at all. Uh, and, and, <laughs> and bearing with me, uh, like I said, I was working before this. Uh, I guess me and Mike were working and we're just kind of rushing into this uh, to get into a podcast. All right, Mike. I mean, before we started the podcast, we were talking, I mean, obviously natural conversation. We're talking about how as a business owner, you your job technically never ends or more so there's always so much to do in a day. Yeah. Yeah. That's so funny. It, it really is the truth. It's you never get done with everything you'd like to get done with. You just do a little bit better each day. I think. <laughs> right. You have like a couple of things. I, I, I mentioned it briefly throughout the week, how, um, you know, it's good. Actually I created the last podcast I just created was basically creating a more structured schedule, but even then sometimes you can have stuff that overlap to like the following day, the following sure. day. Sure. You know? Um, so just going into it, what I want to ask you, Mike, as an athletic trainer, um, for those that are listening and may not know what athletic trainer is and what it entails, uh, just kind of explain a little bit more, I guess, your perspective of athletic trainers, uh, position um okay great yeah i mean um as an athletic trainer that's a really good question because i think this is something that a lot of people have a misconception about um, you know when, when i talk to people that have no idea and they just they're not following me at all i go oh you ever watch a professional sports game when somebody gets hurt the people that run out on the field that's an yeah. athletic trainer yeah. um, and that's like the easiest way that i can explain it it's like you know part psychologist part uh physical therapist part strength and conditioning coach part coach part administrative worker, you know, yep. so athletic trainers tend to wear very uh, many, many different hats, uh, especially in the, uh, the, the collegiate sports, professional sports setting, but even in the setting that I'm in now, which is on the private side, uh, it's definitely um, something that I'm, I'm kind of constantly changing what I'm doing based on the situation at hand. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and then 
talk to us a little bit more how you got into, I mean, I know we had an IG live podcast not too long ago about it, but just for the sake of the podcast, how was it that you got into the private sector and how it kind of entailed into what it is today? Um, so, yeah, I mean, so I, I started my career in athletic training, much like many other athletic trainers, uh, where I was working in, I worked for a number of different uh, Division One universities in their sports medicine departments. Mm-hmm. That's my first job. I worked at the University of Florida with the Gators, which was an unbelievable experience, you know, working with some of the best medical and multidisciplinary staff in the nation, you know, with a really top-notch athletics program. Uh, and then I went on to graduate school at George Washington, where I was a grad assistant athletic trainer. So I was able to get my master's degree while I was working for their athletics department and their sports medicine. Um, so I spent a lot of time, you know, working with collegiate athletes. And, um, you know, for those of you who don't know about athletic training, it tends to be a, a fairly low-paying job compared to other healthcare professions. Yep. Um, you know, and, and the hours demand is, is quite high. So, it's insane. It's... you know, so when I was at Florida, you know, I was working hundred hour weeks sometimes Yeah. between traveling, um, you know, opening the training room early in the morning, closing it late at night to get treatments in for the athletes at all different times of the day. Um, so you're pretty much, it's almost like you're on call 24 seven. And um, I think I just started getting a little burnt out. You know, I wasn't making the money that I kind of needed to, especially when I moved back to New York, you know, I was working at LIU Brooklyn's a small division one, so the resources really just weren't there. And mm-hmm. um, so I had the opportunity to uh, jump into a physical therapy clinic. Um, I was kind of semi headhunted to, to move to the clinic side. Um, and I really did see how my experience as an athletic trainer was very valuable, you know, where people, people were really looking, you know, looking and were willing to pay for just good rehab results, you know, good treatment, good training results. So I kind of found that niche for myself in between like physical therapy and like return to competition. So more of like a reconditioning uh, aspect is kind of how I refer to it. Okay. Um, and, and that's kind of how it started, you know, and then I, you know, I, I did the clinic for a while and saw, you know, how limited the results, you know, an insurance paid model can be, you know, it's very, diff- you know, it's, it's, it's got its own set of challenges where, you know, insurance won't necessarily pay for top end services or like manual therapies and you know, lots right. of one-on-one time. So, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of burnt me out in a different way where, you know, I was doing better financially, but I wasn't really fulfilled professionally because I wasn't really able to help people that I thought the way I could. So that's kind of how Recovery Lab and Recovery Lab was born. You know, I just felt like I could figure out a better way to deliver higher end services at something that most people can afford. So just do it through cash. That's awesome. And, and just to kind of get uh, the listeners a better picture of, did you were you doing amp while you were at this clinic or you just kind of like went cold turkey and all right i'm done with the clinic and i'm gonna do my own thing how did you transition from like the clinic to like your own private practice? it's kind of it's really interesting so basically what it started happening was um some of my pt uh clients like the physical therapy patients were being discharged or you know their reimbursement was getting cut right so they would you know, uh, ask me if I would be willing to train them privately. So, you know, so basically I started kind of just doing like personal training. Okay. And what I noticed was that, you know, some of these people still had mobility issues and whatever else they were still dealing with, maybe secondary to their initial injury or maybe the underlying cause that was never addressed. Okay. So I started, you know, I had a lot of manual therapy experience, you know, actually more than most of the therapists that I was working with at the time. And so, you know, I started incorporating some manual therapy techniques in my private training sessions and I was just getting very, very good results. You know, so I started doing more in homes. Uh, and then I actually met up with a, a, an owner of a CrossFit in New York city 
and I, and I had proposed this idea of, it was actually called mobility lab okay. where it was going to be like basically like a stripped down athletic training room. And so we started kind of spinning the wheels on that. I came up with the business model and then just by happenstance, maybe like a week later, um, my, my partner now, TJ, who, who owns the sports performance side of, you know, who owns Amps, him and I kind of came back together. We went to undergrad together. So it was just like a happenstance. We just happened to catch up and he had this sports performance business that he was getting ready to launch. And I had this mobility lab, which we kind of then just rebranded and re and just kind of combined the two. And we, you know, we really kind of tweaked our business model so that they would be very synergistic in their relationship mm -hmm. um, instead of having like two separate businesses. And, and it worked out really, really well. Wow. That's awesome. So you went, so, you were at the clinic and then you basically these patients that, that were rehab and suffer their treatment where cycle was done, but they want right. to, they want to work work from, from you. So you'd start doing working with them privately. Exactly right. So in the off hours from the clinic, I started working with them privately, which turned into a lot of in homes, you know, and then I got to the point where I was almost making more money or, or, you know, being seeing enough clients where I saw that it was actually a sustainable model. And instead of, you know, I was doing a lot of in-homes at the time. Um, so, you know, the amount of time traveling in between clients, I was like, man, if I just had a place to kind of set up and have them come see me, right? I could, I could see a lot more people and actually give a better experience because now it's just not what I can carry with me through the city. It'll be, you know, an actual treatment room. So, you know, and then, you know, like I said, TJ was all for it. And so that was the hardest transition was just coming from the city to Long Island, you know, kind of starting in a new kind of semi-area but uh you know a couple few years later and we're kind of rocking and rolling away let me i mean you bring up an interesting point it's something like athletic trainers as a profession are kind of they don't want to be seen as a personal trainer which i on the other hand see that as a as a as a what's it called as a bad thing as an um, it's, a, it's an opportunity really right. is what it is right it's, it's a yeah. it's a missed opportunity because people because what happens is right as an athletic trainer, obviously, I just got my master's in athletic training, so I'm going into Congratulations, the brother. Welcome to the, to welcome the, to the fam, officially. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. So <laughs> uh, one of the things that you, you, you see within, obviously, NATA and all the other stuff within the profession, they really want to separate themselves from any profession and really... I get it. I get it. I understand what they're trying to do, really make the profession of athletic training known as athletic training and their worth. But with that being said, if you if you take away one of the key concepts of athletic training, which is strength and conditioning, personal training, whatever you want to call it, and you take right. that and you take that away, and, and you want it, because what happens is, because people don't know what athletic trainer is, they're like, oh, like personal trainer, and I like, no no, right. I do, I do this this this, and what happens is obviously being in the health and fitness field, they're gonna ask you, hey, I want to do a workout, um, or what's a good exercise for this, or hey, I want to lose fat, and a lot of times. I would say mainly a lot of my classmates and a lot of people that I've talked to, a lot of times they're like, no, 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 I don't do that. Like, I'm an athletic trainer. I only do this. Right, right. Yeah, um, man, for sure. And, and you saw that as a, as a big opportunity. Obviously, they were done with their rehab. Um, and obviously, you can only do therapy for so long. But a good, continuum, sure. a good continuum from that is strength conditioning or personal training or corrective exercise, whatever you want to call it. Absolutely. You know, it's just movement. You know, movement is medicine. And, and that's the kind of thing where – you know, I was just seeing the limited results that, that we were getting from the insurance model just because they're paying for limited services. And so I think the hardest part is people in a rehab setting get accustomed to not having to really pay much for that service. Right. You know, so what ends up happening is it kind of devalues rehabilitation services in the eyes of many. So by combining, 
you know, rehabilitation, corrective exercise, strength and conditioning is more of like a, you know, as a continuum, just like it is, and just starting people where they're at on that continuum. So whether they're done with therapy or not, hey, listen, Johnny, you still got some, you know, hip issues or ankle issues. Well, let's start really getting to the root of these problems and incorporate that into a training system that's accomplishing what you want, but also giving you what you need. You know what I mean? Why can't we do both? And it just takes good evaluation and program design. And so those two things I was pretty good at, you know, and then you paired that with the manual therapy and um, you know, it's a pretty sweet recipe for, for getting people where they want to be. That's sweet. That's a sweet deal. If you ask me. Absolutely. For sure. You know, and it's really great to be able to connect with people on a, on a more personal level and actually do healthcare and not, you know what I mean? Like actually treat the person. Right. You know what I mean? And, and coach them and, and, you know, be a part of their life in a positive way. And a lot of people who are dealing with chronic pain or, you know, chronic injuries like that, they were also suffering from like an underlying kind of depression or, you know, they have that emotional issue or attachment with their pain or injury that needs to be rehabilitated as well. And so, you know, when you're only spending a few minutes with each client, like in a PT setting, you never can really make that connection. You know what I mean? Because you just rush on to the next person. So give me give me a rough estimate of what so a patient in your in your in the PT in, when you were in the PT clinic, right? Uh, and yeah. obviously, this is not every PT clinic, but I would sure. say I would say probably the majority, especially the traditional ones. What's a patient will come in? What's like the breakdown? Okay, it'll be five, ten minutes of this, ten minutes of that. All right, see you later. Yeah. So I mean, I, I would say that the clinic I was at was maybe a slightly more progressive in terms of like using manual therapy. You know, okay. a lot of cl- a lot of clinics don't do any hands-on work. You know, right. especially in my area that I'm seeing quite a bit. Right. You know, clients that are coming in post PT that don't get any of that. But here's your typical session. It's like, you know, five or 10 minutes of like a bike to warm up some kind of metabolic warm up or mm-hmm. even maybe like a heat pack and stim, you know, so some pain control. You know, maybe the therapist works with you for, you know, 10 to 15 minutes, you know, on an average case, I'd say 10 to 15 minutes of like one on one time, your personal, your physical therapist. Right. Is pretty much what you're doing. Again, some clinics more, some clinics maybe less. Um, and then you have your exercise program, which again, tends to be in bigger clinics, more template based, you know what I mean? Oh, you have this injury, this is your diagnosis. So here's the program that goes with that. Right. Um, which is something obviously I personally don't necessarily agree with because right. that's, just a- that's just aiming your programming at the middle of the room and you're not going to get the, the results you're looking for all the time with that. Right. Um, and then maybe some, you know, other modalities, you know, you got your laser, your ultrasound, stim and ice or you know, any of these other like kind of, in my opinion, like fluffy modalities that we're really just using for treating pain. Right. They're not really being used to, you know, like change that person's condition, right. you know, and that might be the whole session. And maybe they're doing their exercises with a personal trainer or a PT aid. Mm-hmm. You know, so a lot of times you go to these clinics and the person that has the most patient contact is also the least educated and the least qualified Interesting. because the therapist is so busy. You know, you know, I, we were seeing in our clinic, we were seeing anywhere between you know, four and six patients an hour. So wow. on average, that's about 10 to 15 minutes of therapy time. You know, there were cases where you'd be double booked, you know, so it was, it was definitely challenging to, to, you know, to, to work that model, you know, especially coming from a place like Florida, where I was used to giving every athlete the every ounce of energy and attention that I could give them. Right. Because you know, that's, that's what our job was, was to keep those athletes on the field. So yeah. definitely a stark contrast. Wow. So, so basically in the, so what we call, that's what we call like the traditional athletic training setting, right? You have your collegiate, you have a high school, basically you're spending 80 to hundred hours 
basically servicing, depending if you're at a high school, you're a different, you're servicing different teams. And maybe at a collegiate setting, you are lucky enough to be assigned one team and you're working. Right. You said, you said you were working with the basketball team. Uh, when I was at Florida, I was my main assignment was track and field. Track uh, but, and field. What, but when I was down there, I worked with football. I worked with baseball. I, okay. I, I worked with the spirit squads. Like I, I really just kind of, anytime people needed help, I was pretty much the one to raise my hand and volunteer. Okay. Um, but at George Washington, I worked with men's soccer and baseball. LIU Brooklyn was men's soccer and baseball. So you'll typically have, but at LIU even, it was even more than that. So I, my main sports that I traveled with were men's soccer in the fall and baseball in the spring. But I oversaw some of the other teams like track and field and bowling okay. and golf. You know what I mean? Like I didn't cover those sports directly, but I also directed the grad assistants or the interns that were working those sports, or I would be responsible for treating those athletes in the training room. So, you know, at LIU, I was responsible for, like 150 athletes pretty yeah. much. So, um, right. Yeah. So basically you had this, basically you had most of the time about 80% of all your energy to one athlete or maybe three or four, depending if you're working on, but you had a lot more time that you can spend with them, spend with them. Right. But then yeah, sure. com compared to the PT clinic that you, that followed uh, the your college career. You know, right? you know what it is even more than time. Well, you, you can even be broader than that. It's just resources. Okay. You know what I mean? When you're in, a, in an athletic training situation, you're not worrying about paying for it. Right. You're just delivering the highest quality service that you can. Whatever is so, necessary. Right. Whatever is necessary. So that, that means coming in early to get treatments in before practice or in between classes for a collegiate athlete. Like they have that availability to them pretty much all day, every day, seven days a week. You know, we, you know even like in a post-op case, it's not, okay, we're going to rest for four weeks and then start therapy. No, we would get those post-op athletes in right away right. and start that intervention right away. Right. So it was just, you know, and rehab happened every day, not twice a week. Right. You know what I mean? So it, it, you're able to get much faster and better results just because you're spending more resources with them. Time, we don't have to worry about money as much. And then you go into that PT model, that single-payer model, and it, it becomes a lot more difficult, you know, because now there's dollars and cents involved and time is money. So in order to maximize your profitability, you, something's got to give. And a lot of times it's the time, right. you know what I mean? It's, it's being able to spend an hour with five people rather than pay, paying a, a premium to spend the one-on-one. Exactly right. Exactly right. But that's, you know, that's where semi-private, you know, what you're doing mover at mm -hmm. and, you know, I'm, I'm developing a similar, you know, class style rehab or just movement class that for people that just need to reclaim some of their movement again. Um, Absolutely. You know, maybe that's where they need to start before they can get into the premium conditioning program. Exactly. You know, so just a, something to get them started. So let me let me ask you a question. Once you went, sure. so you saw the collegiate setting, you saw how that worked. You, mm -hmm. saw some, you saw some good stuff. You saw some stuff that worked and stuff stuff that you're like, eh, I can do that differently. And then you went into the PT side um, and you were working there. You saw the... the what had to give, what had to give, like you said, was the time. So you weren't giving the amount of time to that patient because you have to deal with four or five. Right. Um, along with that question, as an athletic trainer, were you able to do like evals and stuff like that, or you were just you only had to do like you only had the like the rehab portion to do, and then the PT did the, re the evals. You know, it was really interesting. Um, you know, I, I came into that that physical therapy clinic, and you know, it was a mom and pop. You know, so it was a single clinic uh, location. Mm -hmm. privately owned and I had far more experience in rehabilitation sports medicine than a lot of the entry-level physical therapists coming in you know right. and again not to say that it's just I was just deeper into my career you know I had I had worked with Olympic level and professional athletes at that point in my career already 
Um, so I was leaned on heavily for a lot of stuff. You know what I mean? They almost treated me like the a head clinician. So I oh, did nice. do a lot of evaluations. I was responsible for teaching a lot of nice. manual, th manual therapy techniques to the new entry level therapist. You know, a lot of okay. PTs, same thing as ATs. If you, if right. you don't, you know, or any healthcare profession, we didn't get a ton of manual therapy in school. I was just very fortunate to be in that situation in Florida to be able to learn that stuff. So I was able to then pass it on to some of the entry level PTs who really had no manual therapy experience to speak of either. So um, it was an interesting situation, but typically the athletic trainers at the clinic were for like the rehabilitation exercise portion and the physical therapists were tasked more with manual therapy. I think in that clinic, I was an exception to that right. where I, I did work. I did do manual therapies uh, quite a bit uh -huh. under, you know, under the license of that physical therapist, so to speak. Right. Um, but again, that also kind of created a bit of conflict, you know, because the physical therapists were being paid significantly more than I was being paid. Right. And I, you know what I mean? Right. So, and I was providing that service just the same. So it, it de definitely was a challenging, you know, it's a challenging situation, but I would say the traditional uh, roles would be like the therapist does more like the uh, program design evaluation. And then the athletic trainer would probably be more like carrying out the, you know, executive orders, so to speak. Okay. But, you know, I'd like to see that paradigm shift. I think it's starting to, yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, we still got a ways to go. Absolutely. So you went from the collegiate traditional senior where you were kind of the, the guy to do everything. You yeah, know, had the, for sure. You had the amount of time to, to work with these athletes, whether it's early in the morning or at night, there was no really, a, there was no factor. The only factor was, it was the athlete coming in or not. Was getting them in. Right. Yeah, exactly. So, and then you went into the PT clinic where it was more, well, you went, you had a special situation where you where you had a lot of responsibility, but typically, sure. typically as a athletic trainer, you don't necessarily have as much. It's more like hands-on, uh, more the right. rehab sector of it. Um, mm -hmm. And then now, what you've done with Recovery Lab is you combine the best of those two worlds into this one-on-one -on -one experience. That's exactly yeah, man. That's exactly it. I, I took an athletic training room and I just stripped it down of all the stuff I didn't need. I just made it really streamlined, you mm -hmm. know, and and. You know, I don't have anything clinical grade, you know, so that that's one of what's one unique thing about recovery lab. The modalities that I do have are over the counter. Anybody can buy right. them um, like Mark Pro, Compex, Normatec, compression systems like that, those kinds of things. Right. Um, and then it's, you know, it's pretty much all you know, manual therapy and corrective exercise, just integrated programming and let me tell integrated program design. Right. Yeah. And then obviously you see the value in it. Did it take long for clients and people you brought in to see the value and the, the price point at which instead of spending a $30, $40 co-payment, they were spending upwards to a little higher than that to uh, get sure. that one-on-one. -on -one. Was it, was it hard for you to start that? Um, in the beginning, a little bit, I would say, you know, there was definitely some resistance as soon as people would say, Oh, the, I can't use my insurance. Right. There was always that like, so the initial intake of like an, a unique client was probably a little tougher in the beginning you know, before I had kind of established a reputation in the area, right. but you know, my, my, not my tactic, but you know, my process is, you know, I would do my evaluation mm -hmm. and share with them what I thought was there, was there underlying issues or, Hey, this is how I can help you. Right. These are the things I'm prepared to do to help you. And then once you show them like, Oh my gosh, how all of these things are interrelated and how, you know, how their movement can be affecting their pain or how their attitude can be affecting their pain or how their injury can be affecting their ability to reach their goals and how you can solve that for them. You provide them a, a, a viable solution. 
all of a sudden it didn't matter how much money it was anymore because people will pay for results. Absolutely. They'll pay for a solution. Mm -hmm. So, you know, especially when, you know, you're coming from a system, like, a, you know, a lot of times the fact that physical therapy, classic PT clinics now are, you know, having to move to that kind of quote unquote factory model just because reimbursements are so low and insurance, you know, and, and it's really not an easy thing for some of these clinics to stay afloat. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's a very watered down experience. And then they come to a one-on-one -on -one where I'm actually the guy spending the time with them. I think people were very receptive to that. Like, I'm going to have some continuity here. I'm going to have some kind of measurable outcome each time and we can keep, you know, just keep moving forward. Right. And you, and you mentioned something very, very important. Uh, obviously we, 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 you've gotten to the point where you're getting clients in, but now you're trying to starting to explain to them, but more importantly, you're educating them on yeah. what exactly is happening and how you can help and how you can help them understand what's going on, which is very important. Right. Uh, listen, I never consider myself a salesman. Never once, you know, I always just considered myself an educator. Hey, this is what I see. Mm -hmm. Does this make sense to you? If it does, then let's work on this together. We're a team now. We're collaborating. Right. You know what I mean? I don't have all the answers. There is no crystal ball. It, the answer is it depends. Most of the time, the solution is an it depends answer. But let's, this is my idea. This is where I'd like to go with it to start. And if we get better, we're using that treatment as a diagnostic tool. We're using that program as a diagnostic tool. And all of a sudden now people start feeling better. They're moving better. It's like, oh my gosh, it's a miracle. No, it's not. We just got you moving again. You just, you, you, you reclaimed that, that ability to move appropriately and efficiently. And that's where the results are happening. And you know, it's really cool. It's really, really cool. And that's when recovery lab was born. Yeah, man, for sure. Yep. Recovery lab was born from there. You know, I, and, and that was kind of even a strategic thing for me on the business side was not calling it, you know, athletic training or sports medicine or physical therapy or anything like that, because those things, those terms have connotations to them already. Yep. People already have a preconceived notion of what that is. Mm -hmm. So recovery lab sounds different because it is different. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So, mm -hmm. and, yeah. And you're starting to see that a little bit more, obviously with my name, Myron or move rec, or again, recovery lab, it's, it's the type of uh, interaction that you provide is what people are going to expect it to be rather than come in, yep. rather than come in already thinking, Oh, I've went to this therapy place. So I guess this is going to be the same thing. Right. Right. That's the biggest thing people are blown away by, you know, it's like they come into my, you know, I don't know if anybody has seen what recovery lab looks like. If you guys haven't definitely check out it online, yeah. but you know, it's a, it's brilliant blue, like electric blue paint <laughs> with my, you know, my black and blue high low table and the black toolboxes that I use for cabinets right. and, you know, I purposefully did it that way mm -hmm. because I didn't want it to be this like polished up beige office with, you know, the scenic painting on the wall, like every other doctor's office. I wanted it to feel welcoming and different. And wow, this is, you know, this is high tech or first class. Right. You know what I mean? You, de so, you didn't want the sterile look. No, no, I didn't. I wanted it to feel like, hey, this is some place we're going to come in, roll up our sleeves, do some dirty work and, and get this thing working again, you know? <laughs> absolutely absolutely right and then you mentioned obviously your partner aj that's a strength and conditioning coach um obviously with with some good background and a whole bunch of certifications that speaks for his his product and the product that you guys provide what's the, yeah. talk to me a little bit more about the the relationship between a, a strength and conditioning coach or a performance coach and an athletic trainer or, or therapist that that continuum and that relationship oh i mean i you know i think it, it it can really go to one of two ways. 
you can end up having what, what I've seen in a lot of like performance facilities that have physical therapy is that physical therapy is a separate business mm -hmm. and it ends up being a competition on some level. Right. Meaning like, oh man, if you need physical therapy services, that means we're pulling you out of training. Right. You know what I mean? And so what ends up happening is it kind of, it sounds like a great idea, but it becomes kind of tumultuous because what, you know, because now your strength and conditioning coach doesn't necessarily want to refer because he doesn't lose his athletes and lose that revenue. Right. You know, so for what TJ and I had done was we, we recognized that we had seen other businesses in the past that didn't work out because that's the way they did it. You know what I mean? If we, we thought like, Hey, we have to have this be so that one hand feeds the other and vice versa. You know, so I, I'll bring in people through recovery lab, you know, because they have an injury or they have some pain or they have some kind of issue that they can't get past. And then once they get that feeling of resolution, I can kind of seamlessly move them into a training or fitness, you know, um, system that is also designed to be, you know, corrective in nature. Right. You know what I mean? So for us, you know, TJ, you know, we, him and I, again, we went to the same athletic training program. So he, he always understood the value of like quality sports medicine, but it has to be collaborative. Re if you really want it to work, it has to collaborate. It has to, you know what I mean? Where, you know, for our athletes, like they might come in, Hey, I'm just doing performance training. That's awesome. I'm healthy. And maybe in season or during the training process, they start to get some aches and pains. Now recovery lab is just an add on. Right. And then we modify their training. Right. It's not that they stop training. It's okay. Hey, you know, Johnny's knee is bothering him. So I'm going to then talk to the performance staff and say, Hey, let's modify X, Y, and Z exercises to these instead. And let me, you know what I mean? And we keep that guy going. And let me tell yep. you, and that's a big part of athletic training that it's, it's starting to carry over, right? That sports performance side where as an athletic trainer is, our, our, our role is to keep that athlete on the field as healthy as possible. Even if they're right. even if they're battling injuries, the idea is to, okay, what do we need to do in the athletic training room to keep them going healthy? So when the season's over, we come back, uh, build back up, you know what I mean? But not fully, right. not fully taking them out. It's kind of like what you're saying, um, but in the performance sector in the private sector of a strength and conditioning facility. I think you kind of just stumbled upon it. Like athletic trainer equals coordinator. Right on some level, you know what I mean? Whether I was in the, whether I was in the collegiate setting, the, you know, the physical therapy setting or what I'm doing now in the private performance setting, I am a coordinator between all these different people because I can speak the athlete's language. Right. I speak the parent's language. I speak the coach's language. I speak the doctor's language. You know what I mean? So I can now coordinate all these support people in this athlete's life to give them the best possible result. And that it's just, it comes down to communication. So the, the best part about AMP is that all of our systems are the same system. Right. You know what I mean? So our athletes have access to all of it, all of it, whether they need it or not. Like we'll evaluate an athlete and say, hey, listen, you know, we know you're not hurt, but like these are the things I'm finding in your evaluation that are red flags. I recommend Recovery Lab because I would work with you one-on-one -on -one to address these underlying things and prevent injuries. Now it's recovery lab is really more of an injury prevention business, right? That's what I created it to be, you know, but obviously injury prevention also has to go hand in hand with treatment on some level of course. or, or re rehabilitation of those, ex of those injuries. So yeah, man, it, it, that's what it is. The, the main goal for recovery lab is really just to pre actually prevent injuries by continually screening our athletes and communicating with our coaches. And let, let me ask you a question. Do you do just strictly manual therapy stuff or do you actually have people come in and train them? Um, and maybe not even do manual therapy on some people, or is it just strictly therapy and then you handle or you let AJ handle everything else? Um, no. So like TJ, you know, TJ, TJ isn't coaching as much on the floor, 
we have uh, a couple of uh, strength and conditioning coaches that handle like most of the training, although he still does work with clients when he can. Um, so for, for recovery lab, when the athletes are training, basically their training program is their rehab program. It's not two different things. It's the same thing. So they'll have like their corrective warm up, which may entail their rehab. Okay. You know, so if I get like a post-op ACL, for example, even if they're immediately post-op and they're still training with us, they might not be doing any single leg load. You know, they're not loading that injured body part. They'll do their corrective or their rehabilitation for that and then go train the other areas of their body. Okay. You know, we just modify that programming so it's all seamless. So yeah, the strength and conditioning coaches are obviously an integral part in that. It really depends on the case. You know, if we have somebody who's joint compromised or load compromised, you know, they're post-op person, then those sessions will just be longer with me. Uh -huh. So I might do a little bit of manual therapy and then I will do their Rehab. their uh, re rehabilitation with them and before I send them over to the strength coach. Okay. You know, for most of the athletes that are dealing with like minor things, you know, mild muscle strains, tendonitis, just aches and pains. Right. You know, it's just, hey, let's modify this programming, you know, get, add these correctives to their warm up or their cool down, or this is what I want them to do for their, you know, their lo loading of their legs or whatever the case may be. You know, again, that's just a collaboration effort at that point. Okay. So you don't necessarily train anybody. You really just leave that up to the strength and conditioning coaches. No, I do. I mean, I'm still out on the floor. It really depends, you know, because I'll get people that, you know, like, again, with chronic injuries, chronic pain, and they want me. So they, you know, they'll, they'll buy those one-on-one -on -one sessions and I'll be on the floor. So yeah, absolutely. I would say most of my day is spent in the lab doing manual therapy treatments, but you know, you'll, you'll see me on the floor quite a bit throughout the, the course of a day. Oh, nice. So you not only are the, the rehab sector of it, but you also do uh, like the performance side of it too. And it works well with yep. the coaches. Yep, for sure. Okay. Um, yeah, because we're all part of the same staff, really. Right, 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 right. And then let me ask you, so before somebody starts to, obviously, I'm, I'm, I'm talking like in general, whoever's listening and wants to even think about or, or, or maybe has this type of model and tries to, and is trying to implement certain things, right? Um, as you, so if somebody comes in and wants to train with you guys or do strength conditioning, do you guys do like an initial eval with you, like as a, like a, special test, ortho type of eval, or is it more like a performance screen and then they train? Um, so, I mean, the recovery lab evaluation, if you're coming in with an injury is a little bit different. Uh -huh. uh, it's a little bit more detailed in, and, but if you're coming in as an athlete, cause you want to train it, you're still going through a pretty comprehensive evaluation. Okay. So day, day one would look like, you know, your, your immediate orientation. We'll do a subjective injury history. Okay. Um, we'll do, you know, like, you know, what's their training history. Uh, we'll do an FMS. Then we do a table assessment, you know, which okay. involves some goniometric measurements, uh, okay. some special, some special tests. Um, so, and w then we take that and then we kind of sit the parents, we'll sit an athlete down or we'll sit an athlete and their parents down and kind of explain to them the, the things that we think will help them reach their goals. Right. Then we okay. do a goals assessment and then we, then we kind of talk about how, where they're at point A and what their point B is, which is what their goals and what that looks like. What, what kind of services are they going to need in that process to get them from A to B? Right. right? So, th and that's it, you know, so, nice. and, and then, and then they come back, maybe their first session or within their first week, then we get their performance metrics. The connection between, obviously you have a strength conditioning facility within or recovery lab within a strength conditioning facility. So mm -hmm. just a continuum of works. And you were talking about the, the self or the initial assessment of an athlete coming in, whether they have an injury or not, is orthopedic related, just so you can kind of get the red flag and the orthopedic issues. Yep. Um, 
that you should be aware of and then go into the performance sector. I think that works really well, right? Because then now you can add the continuum of both sides. Exactly. Now, you know, exactly right. It gives us the ability to be seamless in the way we deliver the service. So, you know, whether or not, so that athlete might start out doing recovery lab because they have some issues and I discharge them and now they're into their training program or vice versa. They develop an issue while they're training. Now they can add recovery lab and I have all of that information already done. You know what I mean? And let me ask you a question. Obviously, we, we sure. talked we talked about kind of your transition into the private sector, your uh, communication with a strength coach that obviously it's seamless within uh, basically AMP and Recovery Lab. Um, do you, I mean, I know within athletic training, kind of like scope of practice on that, you have to have a communication within a physician or a medical director. How, right. how, how, how do you form that relationship or how do you go about that uh, rec- or you need that basically. How do yeah. you know about that? Yeah. I mean, you know, again, I was really lucky from, you know, the time I spent in the physical therapy clinic, I was able to meet a lot of great doctors and they were able to get to know me and, and, you know, my, my expertise level or my, you know, my, my experience level. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was able to kind of carry that right along into recovery lab. So, you know, I have an orthopedic surgeon who's, you know, he's not like a partner in the business per se, but right. he's, you know, he's my standing medical director. So nice. when things are beyond my scope, I refer immediately to him, you know, and in many cases, the athletes will choose to go to their own doctor, in which case I will work with that doctor, you know, in right. terms of, of um, if they're giving us specific protocol, then we will follow that protocol. Uh, you know, again, it, it's really just comes down to communication. Okay. You know what That's- I mean? And the, and, and the reality is, is we're not an insurance model. So, you know, right. there's no, you know, there's no direct issue there with, with billing insurance. So, mm-hmm. you know, I just kind of default to our orthopedic and, and, it, and it, it's been a great relationship. So he sends athlete our way after they're done with their PT. So it hasn't changed his referral patterns at all. You know, oh. So basically the way that works is he still refers to his in-house physical therapy for his post-ops, which is fine because the reality is, is recovery lab's really not set up for post-ops. Right. You know, any post-ops I get are generally the athletes that are all, already have been training with us. Right. We already have a relationship with them. And right. even then, they still go to their traditional physical therapy for that acute phase. And then they mm-hmm. might come in to work on mm-hmm. other aspects of their body. You know what I mean? They might come in to do some core work or, you know, maybe use the norm attack or, or you know what I mean? Or just use the facility to do whatever other things that they have to do in that process. So, right. um, and then the best part about it is, is, you know, let's say again, it's an ACL. We'll use that example. Seven months, six months later, seven months later, they're discharged from physical therapy. Now my doctor says, Hey, the job's not done. I would like you to go meet Mike at AMP and, and start the, the strength and conditioning process to get you to return to comp- competition. Oh, that's awesome. So, so really the way we positioned ourselves is as a reconditioning facility. We're not a rehab facility. Um, so that, that's the biggest part. It's really just getting people back from, okay, their base level of activities of daily living. That's what their insurance covered. How do we get them from just basic function to back to where they want to be? And that's, that's what my job is. That's awesome. And that's a really well put. And let me ask you, for somebody looking to build that connection with a, a doctor or surgeon, how, what's the best way to kind of go about it? Volunteer. You know what I mean? Just say, hey, listen, I'm an athletic trainer in the area. Um, I saw you have an orthopedic practice. I was wondering if I can shadow you for a day. You know what I mean? Is there a good day I can come and shadow you? Or Mm -hmm. is there anything that I can do? You know what I mean? Provide them some value. You know what I mean? So the relationship that I have with with our doctor kind of came about because of a number of athletes 
spoke extremely highly of what we were doing, mm-hmm. you know? And so for him, it's, and now it's an even better thing. Like he's one of the main guys in our area because he's able to say, Hey, you know, and make that next referral, which is right. something that I didn't get when I, when I was rehabbing my knee in high school, long story short, I finished PT and I just went right to playing and I wasn't ready. And it caused a lot of other injuries for me. Right. And so this, so he's, you know, again, our, our physician is, he understands that that process isn't done. So he's willing to make that recommendation for his patients to get the best possible outcome. That's awesome. Is, it's, it's a win-win, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously, uh, not only for the patient, as far as the patient care, the continuum is just phenomenal. But also, I mean, if you think about it business-wise, right? As a doctor, you, you want the influx of clients, but also to have that relationship with someone that's outside of the, of the network that's not only right. does, does, does good work, but is within the community and is providing for the community, it's a right. win-win. Yeah, and, and I, I think it really takes the right doctor, you know, um, yeah. because a lot of guys are, you, they don't, for whatever reason, they might not be interested in something like that, but there's always right. somebody out there who's willing to collaborate. You just have to put in the time. Right. Um, you know, I, I got very lucky. You know what I mean? I, I approached Dr. Shaw about it and he was all about it. And it was great. That's awesome. That's um, awesome. So, you know, he was just like, you know, because again, the, the best part for me is when I'm not sure, he's my immediate referral. And a lot of the athletes that I don't, that don't have maybe an orthopedic, now I've helped them skip that whole like, oh my gosh, what do we do now? Yeah. How, how do we get this thing seen? Hey, I'm going to call up, I'm going to call up Dr. Shaw. We're going to get him in and, and he's going to sit down with you and he's going to take you through the, this next step that you need to go through. That's perfect. You know what I mean? So yeah. it, 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 it's seamless on both ends of that referral tree. He gets new patients out of it. I get new clients out of it. Um, and it, it's a win-win. That's awesome. Mike, um, I don't I didn't want to take any more of your time. I know this is kind of, uh, you had a, a Mets game to go to, right? That's it. Yeah. Going to the Mets game. There you go. Um, again, I can't thank you enough for, for chatting with me a little bit. I've always have, always have a good time, uh, uh, talking to you and just kind of getting to know what's going on and, and your different projects that you have. So to have uh, the listeners to to listen to your aspect. And again, and I think, to be honest with you, a lot of athletic trainers need to hear this. And not only just athletic trainers, just clinicians in general, because yeah. this is kind of the new age of how things are, are, are turning and to be able to provide for more. And just some people that don't want to be in the traditional setting. I think this is a good way yeah. for, for people to, to kind of see the light that – Obviously, yeah, man, I, I believe that we're on the verge of a healthcare revolution. Yeah. I believe we are. Yeah. I, think, I think it's gotten watered down to the point, you know, you talk to most people about what they think about going to the doctor and they are not enthused about it. Absolutely. Um, and so, you know, again, you know, to provide a wellness service to somebody that actually, you know, changes their life uh, is, is what we're trying to do. You know, you're going to start to see a lot more of these types of things pop up. And, you know, if you're an athletic trainer out there, don't be afraid to step out on your own. Mm-hmm. Just because somebody says, oh, you can't do that. No, it's not. There's nothing illegal about charge, about getting paid for the service and experience that you have. There's nothing wrong with that. Right. And a lot. And I think until we start seeing more athletic trainers start jumping, jumping into the private sector and really displaying our skill set for what it is, then you'll start to see those salaries go up. You know right. what I mean? And, and right. again, you, you know, there's always that whole APTA versus the NATA thing. And, and it's, to me, it's ridiculous because, you know, it's almost, it's like we're, tr- we, we act as if there's not enough people that need help. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's, you walk down on the street right now and talk to 20 people and they all have some kind of issue. All right. of them. Right. There, there's so many people out there that need help. We shouldn't be wasting our time fighting in between professions for our slice of the pie 
when we should be figuring out ways to collaborate with each other, learn from each other, and 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 gain some value from each other's experience. Absolutely. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. I think I think athletic trainers are definitely undervalued. I, I, I definitely have a love-hate relationship with the profession. Right. But, you know, I guess in closing, it's, you know, an athletic trainer, you know, think about a healthcare provider who literally spans the entire spectrum of an injury. You know, you're the first one to evaluate it. You're the first, you, you know, you may make that referral or you may be making the diagnosis and the treatment yourself. It depends on the injury. Mm -hmm. But let's just say you make that referral to a doctor. It needs surgery or imaging. The surgery happens. You're that rehab person then. Then you're then you're transitioning that from a rehabilitation to a reconditioning and then to sports performance or strength and conditioning and then return to competition. Right. Name one other healthcare provider that does all of that. Go ahead, right. I'll wait. You know what I mean? It's it's you know, so as soon as we as soon as the public starts to see that this is the skill set and experience that we have, you're gonna start to see salaries go up, you're gonna start to see demand go up. Um, and that's when you'll start to see some changing in, in the healthcare industry in general. So we'll see. We will see. It's it's and just to end, you know, most of the time people see just the the water being given to the athletes, right? The water boys, right? Right. They, yeah, for sure. But there's so much more to that, right? And there's so much. It's like what we mentioned in this entire podcast: the amount of value and the amount of stuff. Um, value that we can provide to clients to patients um it's it's a big deal and like you and like you mentioned it's a revolution that's happening and i'm excited i'm sure you are to see uh, what it's going to look like you know uh, it, I, it excites me to see more athletic trainers getting on social media and sharing what they know uh mm -hmm. that that to me is important i think it, you know to educate the public on who we are and what we're able to do is just so invaluable and, and i think as this digital age continues to grow and we start breaking down some of these barriers I mean, again, I'll, I'll have clients that come in to see me. Not, not one of them asks me, <laughs> are you a physical therapist? Are you a chiropractor? Right. Are you a an osteopathic doctor? They don't No, They want results. Right. They don't, they don't care what credentials or after what alphabet soup I have after my name. It doesn't matter. Yep. You know what I mean? Listen, you know, again, just giving people what they want and what they need. And you're going to get really good results doing that. You just have to blend those two things together and, and you get, you'll get great results. So you know, it's definitely moving in the right direction, man. And I, you know, I, you know, we're starting to even see more privatized doctors clinics, you know, it's, it's mm -hmm. just happening. Um, you know, because now, like I said before, the insurance model is just very watered down, you know, so your people are not getting the help that they really need or, or that they deserve for that matter. Right. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of good things happening. And I want to apologize to TJ. I was calling him AJ the entire time. So TJ, <laughs> if you're listening to this, my bad, my bad. <laughs> Okay. He's just a forgiving uh, guy. Don't worry about it. I'm sure he's <laughs> cool with it. Um, and just to wrap this up, uh, for the, for those of you listening that do not follow Mike um, or Amp, make sure you follow them on Instagram. I believe uh, Amp has their Instagram and maybe a Facebook. I know yep. Mike. I know Mike has um, th his Instagram and his YouTube. Mike, if you just want to shout that out, your handle and sure, where, yeah. where they can find you. Um, yeah, so you can find me at Mike Stella underscore ATC, and then on on YouTube at Athletic Movement Protocol. Um, you can also follow AMP on Instagram at AMP underscore athlete. Um, you can visit us online at AMPathletes.com. You can check out the website. There's definitely some different stuff there. I'm also working on a personal website, which will be MikeStellaMovement.com. Okay. Uh, it, it'll be kind of a landing page for a lot of my content, mm -hmm. um, but also my teaching dates for Rock Tape. Okay. So, you know, so it'll be kind of like a little hub for anybody who wants to interact with me. Uh, on the multiple uh, social media platforms to kind of all live in one one place. So I'm um, hopeful. Hopefully that'll be launched 
within the next couple of months. Uh, it's still kind of in the in the works, but you know we'll get there a little bit at a time. Awesome, Mike. <laughs> Mike, I can't thank you enough for for jumping on. You're you're. Oh uh, man, anytime, dude. You're you're one you're one of my guys, man. You're one of my guys. That's so, it. Man, That's it. Anybody in New York that needs work or needs help, or even if you're not in New York, um, this man knows what he's doing. Very passionate about what he does, um, and just willing to help. So make sure you guys hit him up. Uh, Mike, you enjoy your Mets game tonight, man. Appreciate it, man. Thank you so much, Andy. Be well. Uh, stay cool down in that Miami heat, uh, <laughs> and let's go, Mets. All righty. All right, Mike. <laughs> Take All it right. easy, bud. Bye-bye. Hold up.